Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. I am at work, so if the background noise is a little much, I'm sorry about that, but um, this is something I'm not authorized to do, but who gives a shit, really? Um, I'm basically a fucking paid peasant worker here, so I am going to use my free time to do the Roundtable Sports Podcast uh, uh, perspective, look into the future here. Tomorrow we've got an Abu Dhabi at Yaz Island, UFC 280. It's one of the biggest events, if not the biggest event, for the UFC this year. At the top of the card, Charles Dubronx Oliveira is squaring off against Islam Makhachev for the vacant UFC lightweight title. Charles, of course, came out the victor in his last fight but missed weight at the weigh-ins and was ineligible to receive the belt upon victory. Now, the title vacated and um, both fighters made weight so at the 155 pound division they're gonna be crowning a champion um, and uh, we will get into predictions and things like that here later um, second billing on the card Aljo Aljamain Sterling taking on TJ uh, Snake Dillashaw. I'm not going to give him any nicknames. He's not Killashaw. He's he's EPO man to me. And I think, you know, if you like to bet on underdogs, there's a chance he can beat Aljo, but I'm not going to root against the Jamaican brother there in that one. Um, and then the talk of the town, Sean O'Malley, Sugar Sean O'Malley taking on Peter Yan in the UFC flyweight division. bantamweight division i always fuck that up so kicking off the bout uh or kicking off the main card is a bout between caitlin jacagian and manion Faroe, the french sensation who has um kind of you know taken the world by storm she is uh nine and one they're going to be fighting at a catch weight of 127 and a half pounds um typically uh flyweight is manion Faroe. And then Caitlin Chikagian, I believe, is typically fighting at straw weight, usually, um, uh, or bantam weight, rather. And um, so the, the 127.5 pound catch weight about to open up the night between um, Chikagian, 18 and 4. Um, two losses by knockout, two losses by decision. Um, most of her wins come via decision. So uh, Chikagian, if you're playing sides there, uh, the longer the fight goes on, typically the better off it goes for her. Where on the un- other side of the fight with Manny and Faroe, um, and I, I and I could be saying the name completely wrong. I'm not a native French speaker, but um, the Beast is her nickname, and uh, with the nine and one record, the uh, phenomenal, phenomenal climb. Her first ever bout. Uh, Cage Warriors 94. She lost to Leah McCourt, but she has been undefeated since then. Her latest victory coming against Jennifer Maya uh, d- via decision. Um, before that, Myra Bueno Silva, she was able to take out via decision. And then her um, first two fights in the UFC, she actually won via knockout against Tabitha Ricci and um, Victoria Leonardo. So. A um, pretty well-matched um, uh, bout here with the number six 
flyweight in the world taking on uh, the number 10 uh, and there it is there's the background noise the number 10 pound for pound uh, women's UFC fighter in the world in Caitlin Chikagian uh, I believe is what the latest rankings were um, so this being a catchweight bout uh, with the fighters traveling to Abu Dhabi and the recent amount of uh, fights where fighters have missed weight, uh, I see the reasoning for it. Uh, but, um, you know, it's something to take into mind when you're uh, looking at betting this fight. Maybe that uh, extra weight is something that can help uh, a fighter who, who tends to win by decision. Um, they don't have to cut as much weight, therefore... They're not going to be, you know, as drained. And that can also work on the inverse to, to lessen the parity there, the uh, not having to cut weight for um, Mannion Faro, uh, not having to cut as much weight that is. Uh, you can uh, see that maybe there will be a less of a margin uh, as the fight goes on. But I think Faro is going to step in there and try to get the finish. Um, both of these girls, they match up really well I think I already uh, already been over it um, but the second fight on the card is friend of the show Benil Dariush taking on Matsus Gamrat and um, Benil um, nice guy Benil is uh, um, 21 and 4 he is currently ranked uh, I believe the number 6 uh, lightweight in the world and Gamrat is number 9 so uh, two top 10 guys going to be stepping in there to battle it out um and gamrat is uh coming off of a decision victory against armand Sar sarzukian and uh that was back in june so he's already fought this year uh on the other side benil has fought um has fought uh has not fought since uh, May 15th of 2021, whenever he discarded of Tony Ferguson there. And uh, that was kind of a wake-up call for a lot of us as Ferguson fans that maybe he was on the down side of his career. And I'm not going to say anything about what he should do next, but, um, man, he's got to be getting close to thinking about retiring. Anyways, uh, let's get, focus back on the action happening in Abu Dhabi tomorrow. Uh, we, we got uh, the Iranian wrestler Benil Dariush. If you've never seen him fight, uh, similar style to what some of the Dagestani fighters do. Maybe a little bit better jujitsu game. Um, and uh, definitely, definitely no slouch on the feet. He has one of the uh, only spinning back fist knockouts that you can find at this level of the sport. Um, uh, and, and then across across the octagon, though, uh, like I said, Gamrat coming off the victory against Zukian, uh, discarded of uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira with um, a, a strikes. He, he submitted to uh, strikes because he was getting kneed in the body uh, back in December of last year. Um, just another another uh, hard one to call on paper. Uh, but I'm going to go with friend of the show, Benil Dariush. Take that one. That'll be my first uh, prediction. Um, actually, we'll go 
we'll go Manion Faro in the first one. Second one, we'll go Matus Gam or we'll go Peniel Tariush over Matus Gamrot. Uh, moving on up the ladder, Sean O'Malley Sugar taking on Peter Yan. Um, O'Malley, you know, he gets in these guys' heads in a lot of different ways. Um, it looked like at the weigh-ins uh, when Peter Yan shoved him, it looked like he was really, really in uh, the emo into the emotions of. Uh, Peter Yan. Um, if Yan goes out there and, and tries to waylay with him, he's going to find it tough to manage that range and that distance. Uh, I'm actually not big on the hype train for the Sugar Show, but um, uh, I see him potentially winning this fight. Now, Peter Yan is a couple years ago, we were talking about this guy as being a world beater world-class this that and the other and now you know if, if he were to lose to a guy like Sean O'Malley it would propel Sean O'Malley uh, up the ladders and and um, you know he's already sitting at number 11 in the bantamweight rankings uh, I, I believe Peter Jans ranked uh, number two uh, he was actually I think last ranked maybe number one but uh, of course you've got the t title fight between Aljamain and TJ Dillashaw happening um, uh, just, just following this fight between Peter and Sean O'Malley, if Jan is able to get within range of where he can mix the jab in with a, a little bit of of the uh, leg kick, um, O'Malley is susceptible to it, but it's just range that it's going to be hard for him to find in this matchup just given the, the complete size difference there. Uh, I'm going to actually... Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on right now with the Sugar Show, and um, go ahead and and make that my predict officially for the fight. Um, and I could see myself going 0 and 3, 0 for 3 on these, and I could see myself going 3, 3 and 0 on these. So um, confidence is wishy-washy, 50-50 at best. Uh, I will take Aljamain Sterling over T.J. Dillashaw. If you listen to the intro, you already know I called him a snake, EPO, man, this, that, the other, who cares? I believe everybody deserves a chance at redemption if they're honest and, and worthy of that. This guy, he's, he's a snake who lies through his teeth and, and he continues to do things that make us question, um, you know, his, his um, morals. And uh, anybody who cheats at that high of a level goes in and... Uh, tries to blame it on people and I am so sorry about this background noise but they're they're just fucking around trying to ruin this shit so I, I really do not give a fuck all right and we're gonna get to the two title fights that will be headlining tomorrow's card here's my phone that I can put on silent trying to ruin the show um, expecting a phone call from my friend Jody Kraft here soon. Um, so this we're not going to be long for a, a, a long episode of this show tonight. But um, whatever we have to do to get it done, get it posted, because uh, I, I feel bad for leaving you all out to dry last week uh, and the week prior. Um, I did those card openings, the pack openings. Uh, pretty, I got pretty hyped on those. <laughs> I was, I don't know. You know, it, it's fool's gold, the, uh, the hobby of collecting. But, um, anyways, 
that's that's for us to sort out what the uh, values are and whatnot. Let's get back to those two title fights tomorrow in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Aljamain Sterling taking on um, TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw, uh, a lot of grappling credentials if you look him up. Um, he's got a lot of ways to finish. He's a dynamic fighter. Uh, definitely not a one-trick pony. Aljamain Sterling proved and uh, his bout with uh, Peter Yan that he is no one-trick pony himself either. Um, USA Wrestling background and uh, uh, for this fight I'm you know completely leaning towards the side of the Jamaican and um, I think uh, you know if you guys haven't heard Aljo's got a pretty decent show out there too uh, his podcast is a it's an easy listen most of the time <laughs> it's, it's good to um, hear from somebody that's at that high level of the champion in the sport and, and um, you know, see that they are calling their own shots and, and, and uh, picking their own lane. They're not completely controlled by Uncle Dana and uh, what's, uh, what the Masters want, uh, the uh, Masters being the uh, ownership there of, of the organization. Um, and they just use their little minion Dana to, to promote everything that they do. Um, main event, uh, this is such a tough call for me because I have rooted for both of these guys. I've rooted against both of these guys. Um, you know, I think Charles Oliveira is just a little bit better on the feet. I give him the edge in having the ability to, to get up off of his back, use uh, different rubber guards, things like that. I don't think it's going to be as easy for Islam Makachev to hold him down as it has been for him to hold down any of his prior opponents. Um, Charles uh, certainly wouldn't call him an ace, uh, but you wouldn't call him a uh, one-trick pony with what he's able to do with his power on the feet. Uh, that's that's not all he does. Um, got lots of ways to get it done. He will uh, pound your face until you give up an arm, take it, and he'll break it. And uh, he, he won't look back. He won't uh, have any uh, second thoughts about doing something like that to an opponent once they step in there. And especially once it starts to get to the levels of heat that a fight like this is getting where people are calling it the card of the year. Um, Expect Dubronx to show up. Uh, expect Islam Makachev to show up. Expect a longer fight, maybe, than, um, you know, if you want a, a spectacle. Um, we saw a really good one with Leon Edwards and uh, and um, Kamaru Usman and the closing moments of that, what Leon was able to do in that fight. Uh, would not surprise me if we were to see something crazy happen in the closing moments of this one. Uh, that's that's what we can hope for. Um, pray for uh, safe violence for all of you competitors, and uh, hey, that's what the sport is. So if you don't like it, you don't like it. But this uh, episode about UFC 280, pretty much done. Um, flip it over to the NFL talk. Congratulations to all of the Philadelphia Eagles faithful. Uh, one thing that I did say on this podcast that we're going to keep a little bit of track of, a little bit of an eye on, 
New York Giants, 5-1 and one football team. What, what? I said they could win 10 games. Um, people wanted to look at me sideways and <laughs> say I was just playing crazy. I was like, what you guys are saying about the Cleveland Browns offensive line, you should have actually been saying about the New York Giants. They were the ones that actually built it up. And instead, they wanted to talk about the Browns and Bengals offensive lines, but no. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't have any of it. Told them New York is something to look at. And both of those teams up there playing a lot better this season. Um, coming off of a loss to the Buffalo Bills, my Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, just got to keep it moving forward. Uh, didn't really like how off-balance play calling gets. Uh, put the ball back on the ground, hopefully give number 10 some more touches, Isaiah Pacheco. And, uh, you know, maybe at some point this season get Derek Gore back. Uh, have more of a stalwart running the ball opposed to a dodgy back like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, and that's what I have for the NFL. I mean, what else is there? Fucking Tampa Bay sucks. Fucking fuck those guys. Uh, San Francisco's our opponent. They picked up Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if I included the uh, segment there where I broke up my intro. But, uh, no, I, I'm probably not going to, but it's a good pool for them. I'm going to go ahead and step back in and uh, figure out uh, what I need to do. I am going to get that phone call from Jody any minute as well. So uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Roundtable Sports Podcast. Thank you for bearing with me. This was the first absolutely worst podcast ever produced.